refreshing um, as your weak being. So that was your weak being. Uh, someone is saying tiring. The Lord is your strength. And if you also joined us, you, you joined us, you waited on the Lord today. The Bible says that uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I pray that the strength of God will overshadow every weakness in your life. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. All right, I want to um, get into a time of teaching of God's word. And um, somehow I still believe we're probably going to pray a bit uh, uh, towards the end as we uh, bring the teaching to a close. Uh, for what I'm teaching tonight, I want us to to pay very good attention because I believe that God is going to be stirring some people's hearts to do some things that you haven't done before and to do them with the right motive and from the right perspective. And I believe that's why God has put this in my heart to share with us. Our uh, theme and focus for the month has been kingdom addiction. We've been talking about the, the fact that God wants us to be addicted to his kingdom and be addicted to him. And if, if there's any positive connotation to the word addiction is when you're addicted to the right things, when you're addicted to the right things. And um, if there's anything right that you can be addicted to, is to be addicted to the ways of God and the things that are important to God and the things that touch the heart of God. Because there are certain things that are very important to God. Life generally is built on priorities. If you want to make a headway in life, you have to be a person uh, that, that, that is focused on priority that is focused on, on priority. I think it's uh, Mark Twain that said, uh, um, the things that matter most must not be at the mercy of the things that matter least. So you, 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 you need to understand the things that matter most. In fact, uh, um, I think the same person said in one of his books that uh, one of the, the, the most difficult things for human beings to do and do well is to prioritize, to do things in the order of importance and to embrace things in order of importance. It's one of the things that we struggle with the most as humans. The ability to know what is important and focus on what is important. They came to Jesus and asked him, oh, they said we should uh, uh, pay taxes. What do you say to that? And Jesus said, show me the coin that you have in your hand. Who, whose picture is on it? He said, Caesar. He said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar and give unto God what is God. It's, a, it's, a, it's about you know, how do you shape out life uh, as things occur to you to be able to say, look, what is supposed to be God and what's supposed to be, you know, just livelihood and living and, you know, and any other thing. Because Caesar there represents the rulership of this world and the, the ways of the world and how we, we do things to show that we are part of the world. You know, the Bible says we are in the world but we are not of the world. So we don't live only as if we are in the world and of the world. That was what Jesus was saying. Because you, if you want to be relevant in this world, you need to be able to align yourself with the, the rules that govern life itself. And the Bible says we should obey authorities in, in the things of the world. That's why Jesus said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but don't forget that you are in the world, but you are not of this world. Yeah. Your source is heaven. And you're an ambassador of heaven on earth. So you need to also remember to give to God what belongs to God. But the things of God are priority. So we've been dwelling on Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Bible says all these other things shall be added. The things that make for life and, you know, living and makes for relevance on, on the heart are things that are supposed to be added when we set our mind on the things that are above. Like from Colossians chapter 3, where we read from verse 1 to 3, when Pastor Emmanuel was leading us in prayers. Set your mind on the things which are above. Then you find relevance on the things which are on ground. Because we derive from there. And we're sustained from there. We derive from there. We're sustained from there. When we lose connection with there, we... That's why the Bible says, what, whatever is you... you, you you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven because the real place where things happen is heaven. And God just left you here to press the button and then heaven causes the release. 
even causes the release. When you understand these things, it's easy. It becomes easier for us uh, to want to focus on the things that are important to God and live our lives in that, you know, from that perspective. I was reading a comment from a friend today, I think, on social media. Uh, and it was something that, I mean, it's something that I also say very regularly. That success in the kingdom of God, for us as believers, is not achievement. It's, um, for the want of a better word to put it, it's a receivement. Yeah. I know there's no word like that, but please pardon me. Yeah. We, we so, we also, but, the, but it's not about the hustle. Because Jesus, I mean, the scripture says that if you have received, why are you behaving as if you have not received? It's not the also that qualifies you for receiving. It can position you, but ultimately, Bible says no man can receive anything except it's given from above. Yeah. So when it's released from above, then you take delivery on heart. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Our also can position us. It can help us to be at the right place at the right time. So you don't, you don't, you know, just uh, sit on your rocking chair and say uh, it's receivement. So that's what I said. <laughs> so it's going to come to you at home. No. But when you focus too much on the also, I hope you understand what I'm saying. You lose sight of the fact that it's not an end in itself. It's just a means to an end. Yeah. It's just a means to an end. Your hustle is not an end in itself. It's just a means to an end. The real end is in the giver of all good things. Yeah. Which is God himself. Say amen, somebody. So tonight, I want to point our attention to something that can help us to actually get more into kingdom addiction. To get more tightly into kingdom addiction. To start to practice kingdom addiction in a particular area that can get you hooked the more. You know, every bad thing that people get hooked on, they practice them, you know, small, small. If I can put it that way. Uh, somebody introduces you to it, and then you practice it small, small. And before you know it, you can't get away from it. So I want to introduce you to something tonight that I'm believing you'll be hooked on. I hope that is okay. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Some of us are not looking excited. If it's something you can be hooked on, then you should be excited. That means there's some, something in it. You understand what I'm saying? Praise God. Remember many, many years ago when I was very small and one boy was trying to introduce me to smoking. We tried it out with uh, rolling papers together. Uh, you know, we, we actually couldn't afford a cigarette. And, but he said it's, 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 it's nice and that the feeling is good. That we should try it out. So we, I mean, this was primary school. You know, now for us not to be able to afford cigarettes, by secondary school, you can afford cigarettes. This is, this is primary school. You know, we we'll roll the thing. And then when the paper wasn't working very well, you know those mats that we used to have back in the day that had strands? So you remove the mat, put it inside the paper, roll it, and then, and then try it. And then you start coughing. <coughs> and you say, but, but you said this thing is good. <laughs> it's just for some people, too, before you develop taste. For, for, for beer. You know, the, the, you know, the first time I stayed there, it's, ah, it's bitter. How come? And they're taking it and they'll be enjoying it. It's acquired taste. Because after, <laughs> I hope you understand, after a while you acquire the taste for it, and then what is bitter is no longer bitter. So follow me carefully tonight. You have to acquire taste for this one. Praise God. <laughs> you have to acquire taste for what I'm sharing tonight. It's called the prayer of intercession. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just like when they give you beer for the first time. Ah, ah, you know, some people wonder why some people drink, uh, um, what's this one? Stout. Yeah. This, you know. In fact, I used to live somewhere many years ago in this city. One of my neighbors, his name for stout is Daddy's Coke. Because he has two small boys. So he used to tell them that, see, this is daddy's coke. This is your coke. If you take daddy's coke, you're on your own. <laughs> so, <laughs> so his boys, we put, they say, daddy's coke. We put it aside. 
So one day, one of them decided to say, what is in this daddy's coke, sir? <laughs> and decided to, <laughs> to pour some into a glass. He said, ah, let's take daddy's coke. The, <laughs> the boy almost vomited. You know, the thing is a bit bitter, you know, and all that. You know, I, I, I don't think I've taken it before, really. I got saved literally from the womb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know some of you can, can't believe that, but, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it, the boy took it and, you know, spilled it out and was like, ah, Daddy, what kind of human being is you? How come your own coke is like this and our own coke is like this? So, uh, uh, but I don't know now. That boy will probably be a teenager now. Maybe he has acquired the taste. I don't know. Because <laughs> if the thing remained at home, obviously, over time, daddy's coke can become boy's coke. Yeah. So this one, too, is, can be daddy's coke for some people currently now. But very soon, I pray in the name of Jesus that this will become a regular part of your life. I call this the prayer of intercession. For you to be a kingdom addict, you have to become someone who actually can be regarded by God as an intercessor. And the truth is that you are not really the one who calls yourself an intercessor. It's God that should regard you as an intercessor. An intercessor is someone who has taken it upon himself to stand or to take action, intervening action on behalf of another person. That's an intercessor. Someone who has taken it upon himself to take intervening action on the behalf of another person. To become a real kingdom addict, we need to start losing focus on ourselves and start to place the focus on other people. Because people matter to God. Certain things are important to God. God wants marriages to succeed. God wants businesses to succeed. God wants people to be saved. God wants our cities and nations to be at peace. Are you still with me tonight? Yeah. God wants people to desire a child and have one. God wants pregnant women to give birth with ease. God wants people to be blessed. So done too. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the will of God. So anytime I stand on the behalf of someone to intervene, taking intervening action, especially in the place of prayer, and standing in the gap for someone, God is delighted because I'm asking that the will of God be done in that situation, in that city, in that nation, and in the life of that person. Is somebody still with me tonight? So intercession is the action of intervening on behalf of another, standing in gap, sacrificing to plead the case of an another. It's like doing the work of an advocate. Yeah. What an advocate would do in court. Sometimes you have a court session where a case is on trial. The accused is not even in court. But the advocate is in court. Is the one that is, you know, recognized to stand in gap for the accused and plead the case on behalf of the accused. And many people have won cases, perhaps sometimes without showing the court up in court once, because the advocate is present. The realm of the spirit is a, is, is a legal world. It's very litigious, and we are always having cases, cases. So that's why. Satan is regarded, is called the accuser of brethren, who accuses them day and night before God. So, when you, the throne of God is like a courtroom. Is someone sitting with me tonight? Yeah, it's like a courtroom. I need to listen to me very well, especially if you have just been saved, you know, maybe within the last year or so. You need to understand some of this very serious, basic understanding of how we relate with God, especially in the place of prayer. And if you have been saved long too, but you haven't heard some of these basic truths before, you need to pay attention tonight. The, the presence of God is like a courtroom. We come there to plead our case 
That's why in the Old Testament, when the priest is going into the holies of holies, he goes with the blood. He doesn't go empty-handed. Why does he go with the blood? He's, was, he, he's going to make atonement on behalf of the people. The priest is going on behalf of the people. This was the Old Testament order. So the priest goes in into the holy presence of God and he has you know, the blood of the animal there. And when God has accepted that sacrifice, the animal, the blood, what happens? The priest is able to come out alive. Because if the priest gets into the presence of God and the sacrifice is not acceptable, because the priest needed to have made atonement for himself first before he then goes. So because God cannot behold an unclean thing, then he then goes to the presence of God to make atonement for the people. And he does it annually. So, from that Old Testament understanding, you understand that even in the New Testament, the presence of God, the only thing now is that we can enter boldly as individuals. We don't need a priest. But we still stand in the gap for people. We hold people up. We bear their bodies in the presence of God. Are you still with me? I said, are you still with me? And all of us can do it. All of us. All of us can do it. We can step into God's presence individually and plead our case and plead just like the priest does on the behalf of the people. And you can still plead on behalf of someone even at this time. Are you still with me today? So when you get into the presence of God, the Bible says that uh, Satan is accused of bread and is always there. Always has something against you. One thing or the other that is bringing you know, but Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, the Bible says that therefore now, no condemnation. When someone is accused, the judge either pronounces a condemnation, which is, or the person is discharged and acquainted. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And the Bible says that therefore now, no more condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So this is what happens to us. Now, Satan cannot just accuse us and walk away, except we are not in Christ. And when somebody also pleads on our behalf, God remembers the blood. The once and for us sacrifice of Jesus. Instead of what the priest does, I mean, did in the Old Testament, where, where they, they, they went every year, Jesus' Bible says, went once. And that once covers everyone that will come into this world, who will believe in him and accept his sacrifice as something that has been done on their behalf. If you understand that, say amen. amen. All right, are you still with me tonight? I said, are you still with me? So, we have all been called into the ministry of intercession, which is standing in the gap like an advocate, advocating for whoever needs an advocate. Advocating not just for individuals, we advocate for a nation, we advocate for a city, we advocate for a family, we advocate for a business. We stand in the gap. We stand in the gap. All through the Bible, you see people who stood in the gap. Who stood in the gap? Many people. Uh, let's read a few, and then I'll add one or two more things, and I'll start to round off. Let, let's, let, let's read a few. Let's read... Um, uh, from, let's read from Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9, I'll read maybe verse 2 to 5, and then maybe jump to 16, and then verse 20, Daniel chapter 9, are we still together? Daniel chapter 9, let's read from verse 2, and in the first year of the reign of his reign, high Daniel understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face forward. I set my face toward the Lord 
to make requests by prayer and supplications with fastings, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandment. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name. Let me jump. So Daniel continued to plead all this case with God. Can I say this as I continue to read? This was what happened here. The Bible says Daniel understood by the books in the first year of the reign of the king Darius. This was what happened. Seventy years in desolation, Jeremiah prophesied it. Jeremiah prophesied it. I think that's, that's probably an issue with the journey to be resolved. So Jeremiah prophesied it that 70 years, Israel is going to be in desolation. Jerusalem is going to suffer certain things. And as at this time, while Daniel studied, because one of the things, one of the ways by which you get into intercession is to be a person that seeks knowledge. Yeah. Because you need to understand what is going on around you if you're going to be a good intercessor. You need to understand what is going on around you. You need to, you need to be sensitive to information if you're going to be a good intercessor. Yeah. You know, you know the, 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 the video clip that was showed in church on Sunday where three people were sitting down, so four people, and somebody got a text message and he said the mother uh, just got a message that the mother was tested for cancer and she was positive. And somebody said, ah, she needs to go for deliverance. Somebody said, ah, hey, well, it is well. And another person says, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to continue to pray with you. It's how you process information is one of the things that position you to be an intercessor. Somebody can hear right now that, oh, 10 people just died there. Something happened. But maybe they're even still rescuing them. And the person says, look, until they finish this rescue operation, I'm not going to stop praying. It's the way you process the information, knowing that you can stand as an advocate on the behalf of those people. Some people here sometimes, you read newspapers and you, you get information about an industry that is just nose diving. And you, whether you have friends in the industry or not, depending on how you process that information, God can bring it back to your mind when you get into your place of prayer. And you can become an advocate on behalf of that industry in the presence of God. Nothing goes down without heaven's approval. Whether it's an industry, a company, or a family, or a marriage. God never loses control of anything. He's always looking for a man who will stand in the gap. Sometimes, what God is looking for is for somebody. Because so the principle of advocacy is very spiritual. I mean, look at Genesis 18, uh, which, was the, which is the next chapter I was going to read. What happened there? God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what people would just hear? You just hear that uh, uh, somebody dropped a bomb there or something. But God was decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their, their, their sins. And then God was just looking for somebody to share the information with who can take him up and stand and make a bit of, you know, advocacy on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to read that in a moment. But in this place, Daniel was reading, and then the Bible says he understood by the books that Jeremiah had prophesied that Israel was only going to be in desolation for 70 years. Now, 70 years passed, and the situation still remained the same. Just the understanding of that information brought a burden to the heart of Daniel. That's what we call a burden. It brought a burden to the heart of Daniel to say, look, this is not supposed to be. And there's something I can do about it. This is not supposed to be, and there's something I can do about it. So Daniel started to pray and pray and pray. When you get down to, to uh, the same Daniel chapter 9, by the time you get down to verse 16, look at the kind of prayer I was praying. Oh Lord, according to your righteousness, I pray, let your anger 
from the verse 5 where I stopped, he has been praying up to this verse 16. If you are reading it, you understand what I'm saying. Look at where he got to in verse 16. Oh Lord, according to your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem. Your holy mountain. Because for our sins and for our iniquities, for, for the iniquities of our hand, or, or, of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ears and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation. As if God was partially blind. But this is what you do when you advocate, when you stay in the place of prayer. Sometimes it's like, it's like you're telling God what he already knows. So somebody is, is, is in a coma. I'm telling God, Lord, so and so person should not die. God already knows the guy is in a coma. But God is waiting for people who can hold him up, who can appeal to a side of him. Sometimes you're appealing to the side of the mercy of God. You remind him that he's a merciful God. That was what Abraham did to God in Genesis 18, telling God, ah, how can the most righteous, <laughs> how can the most righteous God do the kind of thing you want to do right now? As if God did not know. And so, this, that, and that's what happens in the law court. You start to advocate and plead a case. And God said, okay, you know what, bros, because of our friendship, if I see 45, Abraham started to continue the intercession. Lord, take it to 35. Take it to, you know, God will say, if I see this, if I, until 10. Sodom and Goran was a very terrible place. Very terrible. Because some people in certain quarters will say, ah, if only Abraham had said one. At least Lot was there. And that means Sodom and Goran would have escaped because of Lot, even if Lot's wife was not righteous. Because you could risk it to say two. Believing that, both of them. <laughs> but we're not sure about that lost wife. Because even, even when she was supposed to have escaped, she still looked back. So some people will say, ah, if only Abraham had risked it to just tell God, if you can find one. If you can find one. I think in verse 30, 33 or so of there, they stopped at, uh, at 10. And that was it. Yeah. Then he said, let not the Lord be hungry. And I will speak, but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. But he didn't find 10. He didn't find 10. I'm almost convinced that outside of Lot, I'm not sure there was any righteous man. Even the Lot self. <laughs> I think he escaped on the wing of grace. <laughs> By his whiskers, you know. It's just on the wing of grace. Because how terrible can it be for God not to find 10 righteous persons in Sodom and Gomorrah until God had to destroy it? The life of an intercessor, what it does is that it makes you a friend of God. Anybody that will dwell on the things that are the will of God and that taught, the things that touch the heart of God will become a friend of God. Yeah. I was having a chat uh, with uh, P.T. earlier and I was, you know, discussing some of these things with her. I told him, I said, look, if all the time you are always, my first daughter is Oluwa Jomiloju, if you are always asking me about Oluwa Jomiloju, uh, saying, you know, things, praying for her or doing something, my heart will always go after you. When God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18 here, God saw that Abraham, he said, I can't do this without telling Abraham, my servant, or my friend. Because they had become friends. Because the things that matter to God were the things that matter to Abraham. Can I tell you something tonight? If you will live a life of intercession and carry other people's burdens, you will not only become a friend of God because you share similar passions with him, 
you will be led into the secrets of God. There are certain things God will want to do, he will tell you first. Because you love his presence. Because you lift up the things that are important to him. Because you have not been selfish in his presence. Will I do this kind of thing I will not tell Abraham? God said, no, I will tell him. Then he went and told Abraham about what he wanted to do. And then Abraham in his characteristic manner, as an intercessor, started to appeal to God. Started to appeal to God. Do you know the truth? Our God is so merciful. God actually thought perhaps maybe Abraham would be able to stop him. He's always looking for a man. Who shall go for us? Who shall we send? As chapter 8, God is always looking for someone, someone, someone who will stand in the gap. There are many marriages that have, you know, capsized, like we say. But for one person, who will stand in the gap? But for one person. Yeah. But for one person. For, but for one person. But for one person. I have seen the effect of intercession in my life in certain lives around me, I, I can count many times where God just brings a picture of somebody to my heart. And I just knew that there's something that God had in mind. You understand? That God wanted to do. Sometimes I don't have a full picture of what God wants to do. But as we engage in the place of prayer, I get a testimony afterwards. I get a testimony afterwards. There are certain things that God will not allow to happen that he, he knows that if you can pray, or if you are the kind of person that will just get a staring in your heart at 11 p.m., you're about to go to bed, just got a staring, and you just, let me not go to bed yet. Let me take a stroll and just pray in the spirit. And you're just praying. Sometimes it's just God, God just released the thing to you. You know some people, they're they are, they are, they are sleeping and dreaming, and then God releases a dream, and they use it to change the gear, to move to the next level. Rather than waking up and say, ah, this thing is not the kind of thing that somebody should sleep on. But pray on it now. I've shared the testimony before many, 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 many years ago. I was, I was living with my older brother. And his friend was getting married. He himself was, uh, was still single then. And he's, I think he's been married. This year makes it 20 years or so. And so it's a lo long time ago. He was supposed to be the best man for his friend. And they were traveling. So he left, I think, like on a Thursday or so, and told me he'll be back on Sunday. But that night that he left, I had a dream. And I saw him in an accident, and I woke up. I remember I couldn't sleep, maybe for two or three hours, just praying, literally crying before God. I'm pleading for mercy. I had no idea what could have happened. Those were days where there was no GSM or anything like that. My brother knocked the door of the house at 6.30 a.m. with blood stains all around him. And he said that they had an accident, you know, somewhere, out, outside, I mean, on the way from Lagos. And he was the only one that was okay. He was the one depositing people at the hospital all over the place. You know, so he got in just before 7 a.m., you know, to shower and all that. So he could go back and still go and look out for people. And, you know, that day, I, I couldn't even tell him anything. Because, but... But, you know, you can't tell me that God did not speak to me. You can't. Nobody can tell me that that was not from God. That's too much if you call it coincidence. So if there's anyone here tonight who are still doubting whether God works or whether God, you know, exists, yeah, some of us, you can bring all the book in the world to try to convince us we have had too much experience working with God to doubt that the power of God is real. Somebody say with me tonight. Yeah. Too much. Too many experience. Yeah. Just holding up in the place of prayer. Holding up in the place. God starts to reveal things to you when he can trust you. That your prayer is no longer just give us this day our daily bread. Anytime I see you know, sometimes it just happens that I just see people in my mind. I say, I'm just seeing them too consistently. I just tell God, okay, I will pray. 
then when I finish praying, I send a text to let the person know that, look, you have been on my mind. I don't have to say I've been praying for it, but you have been on my mind. Yeah. Because perhaps sometimes you don't even have a full inclination of what God wants to do. Not, not full. I remember one uh, testimony that Pity shared one time ago. I think it was your big sister. Yeah. That, you know, you just felt like praying for her. I can't remember what happened. I think a child or something. Yeah. She, she has a set of twins, right? And one of them passed and, but came back to life. That's God. See, some things don't just happen anyhow. God is always looking for somebody who will stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. And be able to hold him up. Look at the way Abraham was negotiating with God in Genesis 18. Don't you like it? Eh? As in, don't you like that? To be able to talk to God like that. Say, God, no, no, ah, no, 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 no. No, that guy can't die now. No, no, no. You, you won't do that. You are too good as a God. And God will say, ah, you mean it? Yes, I'm telling you now. You are very good. Yeah. You are too compassionate for God. God, no, no, no. God, don't do that. No. Because when we stay in the place of prayer, that's what we're doing. When we stand the adversary and the accuser of brethren, and they say mercy must pre prevail and triumph over the judgment on the life of this person. Sometimes some people are seriously condemned, condemned by men, condemned by God. And God is only just looking, I mean, condemned by men, condemned by the devil, I mean. But God is always just looking for somebody who will remember his side, which is the side of mercy, and just plead the mercy of God. You know, sometimes the reason why we don't have burdens to pray for people is because we are too judgmental. Yeah, we are too judgmental. A few weeks ago, I was, uh, no, last week or so, was last week or two weeks ago, I was at one hospital here on the island. This guy had an accident right on this road. And um, um, they got in touch with one of our pastors, I think it was Pastor Idris, and cut a long story short, I was at the hospital to pray for him. You see, when I, when I was waiting at the waiting room at the hospital, I was just thinking that I know that I'm not the only one that can pray for this guy. But one of the things that can make God use me here today is for me to put my mind on the scripture and draw up compassion in my heart. Because you could be asking yourself the question, was he overspeeding? Was he drunk? What happened? You know some people just like that, you just say, eh, you see all these Lagos boys, small, small boys, they'll just be, eh, because God has blessed them with small cars, they'll be just, just driving too fast on the road, and then they'll go and crash themselves. How do you get body to pray for that kind of person, if you're thinking that way? No, it's true. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. We judge too much. The moment you get into that judgmental zone, compassion leaves your heart, there's no body. So don't forget, I've said two things. You are an intercessor, you become the friend of God, and a friend of God has access to the secrets of God. Yeah, so God will start to reveal things to you. If you learn to pray the will of God in, in, other, in situations, in other people's lives, in families, in different things that God will just pump your heart towards. For Daniel here, it was just a book he was reading. And from that book, it was a, obviously a book of history and a book of prophecies. He realized that Israel was already doing over time in desolation. And he started to take it upon himself to pray. See, by the time you get to verse 20 of Daniel uh, chapter 9, it said, now, while I was speaking, verse 20 of Daniel chapter 9, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountains of the Lord. Of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, look at what started to happen. The moment you get so deep in this, you start to experience dangerous things. Gabriel appeared to Daniel. Daniel was praying about the contract that he has filed for. I'm not sure if Daniel, I mean, is strong enough for Gabriel to leave heaven to come. He was praying for a whole nation, a covenant people with God. That was strong enough to move Gabriel from heaven. Some people have been praying, you know, about certain experiences with God. Leave all that. Just do the will of God. Become an advocate. Become 
somebody who can take up the burdens of other people, who can take the burden of a city, burden of a nation. Don't make it like it's only when you come to church that you pray for Nigeria. Yeah. God has a plan and agenda for this nation. And he's looking for people who will stand in the gap and pray. God has a plan and agenda for your neighbor who is always beating his wife. And he's looking for somebody who will stand in the gap so that peace can rest upon that home. God is looking for people who will be strong enough in their heart to pray about their church. God has a vision for every church that he, 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 he founds. God has a purpose. When he plants you there, you need to pray, play your part spiritually in pushing the hand of God over the church. Sometimes God is calling some people just to pray for their pastor. Because some people just, when you get on social media, oh my goodness. Sometimes you tell yourself, are we going to still see power in this generation? Maybe not. Because the way, and I'm not talking about hero worship here, but the way even believers cut down pastors on social media is, is on an alarming rate. We can't judge people like that and intercede for them. It's not possible. And if we don't step into that place of intercession for any hero that is falling, we can't experience the power of God. I don't know if you're getting me today. There's no perfect human being. God has never created one. We are all striving towards perfection. So you see a man of God, uh, something happened in his family, or a man of God yeah, made, a, I mean, a, committed a blunder or something, and Christians will be quoting scriptures, saying all kinds of things on social media, cutting them down, saying all sorts. Usually I stay away from such, such things. And speak the mercy of God in that situation. And trust God for a turnaround. Because we, you, you, you can't be the judge and the advocate at the same time. It's not possible. Have you seen a court before where the judge becomes the advocate? Or the advocate is the judge? No, you have to take one position. Yeah. If you are the judge, be the judge. The only thing you should remember, though, is that there's someone that is called the judge of all. Who judges all things and cannot be judged? That's God. So you are still junior to him. Because your own time will come. Yeah? <laughs> You're junior. So the moment you take, the best position to take is that of the advocate, not the judge. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the best position to take. If you take that of the judge, the judge of all will still judge your own case. But if you take the position of the advocate, you always have access to mercy. Glory be to Jesus. Somebody say, mercy, Lord. Glory be to Jesus. So you see Daniel here starting to experience the power of God. As I round off tonight, I wanted to know that there's a way to step into the ministry of intercession. And that's always to watch out for opportunities to unleash compassion from your heart. The moment there's compassion, it breeds burden. See, when you are burdened about something, what happens? You just realize that you really can't, you can't do anything except you release that burden. And the place of the release of burden is a place of prayer. If we are not careful, some of the things that some of us who have been holding Christianity have experienced, some Christians today will probably, some people don't, don't know what is burden. And you've been born again for three years. And you don't know what burden is. It means you don't have power with God. I'm telling you the truth. Because burden is what you feel in your spirit about something that is happening that should not be happening. It comes from compassion. You read all through the Bible. You see, I mean, in Matthew 9, 36, the Bible says, but when, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Talking about Jesus for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. In Matthew 14, 14, and Jesus went out and saw the great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Compassion is what draws the power of God. Compassion is what brings burden into our heart. You can be seeing 
a woman trusting God for the fruit of the womb and it doesn't touch you because there's no compassion in your heart for that person. But the moment you can put yourself in the shoes of that person, you become the advocate because you are stepping into their shoes. You become the advocate. Compassion starts to well up in your heart. Compassion is what brings birth, uh, what, what, what births burden. And burden takes you to the place of prayer. You know, when you, when you really start to, to, to intercede, you know when the burden has lifted. When the burden has lifted from your heart, doesn't mean that the miracle has happened, but at that point, you are assured. You have some confidence and assurance that something is going to happen in that situation. Something is going to happen in that situation. Something is going to happen in that situation because the burden has lifted from your heart. Remember back in the day when we, we gathered to pray prayer on intercession, we, we don't have time we pray until the burden lifts and then we start to go home one after the other. When your own burden has left, you go. When the other person's burden, that's how we pray. That's how we used to pray those days. We just gather together, the prayer point is on the wall and we're praying, praying for something that has no connection with us and we pray, pray and we start to depart one after the other because the burden has lifted from my heart so I go. The burden has lifted. But back in the day too, we always know the baby Christian because their burden lifts in, in 15 minutes and they're already going. Yeah. No, it's true. Because sometimes God just wants you to tarry in his presence. And you just realize that the burden is still there. Sometimes you can carry a burden for one month. When you hear real intercessors say, I've been praying about this thing for 30 days. I do an hour a day. It's because the burden has not lifted. It's still there. You're still feeling it. And it's still strong in your heart. Are you still with me today? Very important. Paul was writing about uh, one chap in Colossians 4, called his name Epaphras. Dangerous guy. Look at what Paul wrote about him. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bold servant of Christ, greets you. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear witness that he has a great zeal for you. And those who are in Laodicea and those, you know, in Herapolis. That was, that's, this was Paul talking about a person. Epaphras happened to be a believer who is, was given to intercession. Always praying. Always praying. Always praying for them. And Paul was bearing witness. Paul himself in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9 says, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ will formed in you. It's Paul said, you know what? Sometimes I just take out time to just pray that Christ be, be formed in you. Can you imagine somebody just wake up in the morning and have a list of 10 people and say, Jesus, be formed in them. Form, 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 form. Pray in the spirit. Pray in understanding. They may just be colleagues at work who claim to be saved, but they are still hearing OP all the time. They, you know, they, they talk nonsense. They, you know, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Some people open their mouth and you know they are not saved. But yet they tell you they are saved. Instead of criticizing them, Paul said, my little children, you know, I, I, I labor again in birth until Christ be formed in you. Christ be formed in you. Glory be to Jesus. Somebody like this, Daddy's Coke? Huh? If you were not here when I started, you may not understand that. <laughs> but this is good. This is how this is this is this is something to live by. This is how to be a contagious Christian. This is how to be a God had it and a kingdom had it. Stand on your feet tonight. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Last day tonight, I wanted to understand. That you don't live like this and be struggling with besetting sins. Because while you're praying and unleashing burdens, some things leave you. They just leave you naturally. You, you can't live like this and be, you know, agonizing and praying for other people and one, one useless habit will be hanging around you. You just realize that they just fly away on their own accord. Hold the hand of someone beside you. Hold the hand of someone beside you. Hold the hand of someone beside you. 
ask your neighbor, is there, is there anything specific you want me to talk to God about for you tonight? And if they're bold enough to say it, let them say it to you. Anything at all. Just share it with your neighbor. Pray about this. Pray about my job. Pray about, you know, just say it. I said it should ask because it's time to pray. I want us to pray for those things that they're going to tell us. So make sure you, you tell your neighbor something. Just anything at all that, that is in your heart that you feel you need prayer for. Don't be shy about it. And don't take your neighbor as just one small boy or one small guest standing beside you. God is just looking for one person. Age is not a restriction when you come to God's presence. As you gain that thing from then, I want you to begin to pray about it. I want you to begin to pray about it. I want you to begin to pray about it. Can you focus your attention on what your neighbor has said and just start to pray about it? Start to pray about it. Somebody, I want you to pray with your heart tonight. Pray from your heart. Pray from your heart for that person. Pray from your heart. Pray from your heart for that person. May I go so for a hand and leg of worship. Man go so prohunta laka worship. Eco so prahanda laga worshita calabroso. E prodogo so so prehinda laga worship. Makala tuto prehinda lega worship. Eco so so prehinda lega busha handa galagabaya. I want you to take it up in prayer. Take it up in prayer tonight. Take it up in prayer tonight. We're staring burdens in our heart for our friends and neighbors. Make a little suprahinda lagabaya. Maka lata karadagabosha. Come on, raise that prayer up to God tonight. Ask for the mercy of God over that person. Ask for grace over that thing that concerns them. Come on, pray for that person. God is still in the business of answering prayers. He's always looking for somebody to stand in the gap. Someone to stand in the gap. I see healings in this place tonight. I see new blessings in the name of Jesus. I see blessings of divine interventions. Makalagobosa. I see deaths wipe out. I see sicknesses heal. Malegabosha, handeregabosha. I see new jobs. I see businesses revitalized. Mekandolopra, handelegabosha. Miko tusoprehindelegabosha. I see marriages restored. I see supernatural conception. Mike tu soprahanda lagabusha. Ika tu soprahinde legabusha. Akala tu soprahinde legabusha. Ibra loko tokoro logabusha. Mambra leka tite kire hendi hila pro. Mikropo su soprahaka. Ikle tu soprahande legabusha. We plead the mercy of God. We plead the mercy of God. We plead the mercy of God. Eka leto korologobosha. Miko tu soprehinde legabosha. Mika takalagabosha. Handre legabosha. Thank you, Jesus. In the same vein, still holding the hand of your neighbor, let's pray this last prayer together. Praying in one accord, I want you to just search your heart. Is there someone that you think you need to pray for? Whether someone close to you, you have seen in a while, you haven't seen, but you just, or is there, or do you feel like praying for the company where you are? 
Is there something there that you, you think needs to change? You have complained long enough. You can ask for the hand of God to come upon that company. You may just be an employer, uh, uh, I mean, sorry, an employee in that company, but sometimes God is just counting on one person to turn things around. Somebody here may also have a burden in your heart. Maybe to just cry to God about Nigeria and our dwindling economy. I want us to lift up our voices and pray right now. Whatever God puts in your heart that has nothing to do with you, just, just lift it up before God right now. Lift it up before God right now. Pray for our nation. Pray for a business. Pray for a friend. Pray for a family member who needs to be saved. Whatever God has put in your heart. Pray for a woman who is in danger. Pray for somebody battling for his or her life. Just pray tonight. Pray tonight. Pray for someone who just lost a loved one. Someone who just lost a baby. Whatever it is, pray tonight. Remember someone. Remember a colleague at work. Remember a neighbor in your estate. Just pray tonight. Lord, we pray for our nation. We ask for your mercy over this nation. We speak health to our economy. We speak soundness to our economy. We speak stability to our economy. We speak wisdom to the heart of our leaders. Makalege bosha. Ipredike tuso prahanda laga bosha. Makrede bosha hande. Come on, raise that prayer tonight. Raise that prayer tonight. Malege bosha. Ike soso prahanda laga bosha. Iko tuso prahinde lege bosha. Makele boso prahande lege bosha. Come and pray for that person. Pray for that situation. As the Lord quickens your heart, pray. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lift your hands to Jesus. Give him a wave offering all over this place. Bless him. Bless him tonight. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We bless your name. How many people still feel like praying a little more? Can I say a show of hands? Just still feel like you need to pray a little more. That's what I call the burden. Yeah. That I'm, I'm just trying to teach you practically so you understand it. When you've prayed and you feel like praying more, you still feel like pushing. That means the burden is still in your heart. So for some of you here tonight, the things you prayed about, you're beginning to develop a burden for them. And if not that this is this kind of service and this is night. Back in the day, those days of university days and all, this can become a whole night, an all night meeting. Because the burden has refused to go and we want to pray until the burden leaves. So we continue. I've been in meetings that started at 7 p.m. and ended at 4 a.m. Why? Because, and you, you won't even know that time has gone because there's a burden in your heart to pray more and pray more. And prayer becomes a thing of delight and it's not a chore. Wave your hands to Jesus. Say, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Put burdens in my heart. Put burdens in my heart. Make me a praying person. Make me a praying person. Make me, a, make me an intercessor. Make me an intercessor. Somebody needs to talk to God tonight. I desire to be an intercessor. 
I desire to be able to pray like that. I want you to place burdens in my heart. I want to be able to stand in the God. I want to be able to stand for other people. I want to be able to stand for other people. I want to be able to stand in the God. Lord, make me an intercessor. Make me an advocate for your kingdom. Father, we bless your name. 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 There's someone here tonight. I feel in my heart, God is telling you, I want to put a burden in your heart. I don't know whether you're single or married, but God wants to put a burden in your heart to begin to pray for singles who are trusting God for a marital partner. Because the person I'm talking about, it has nothing to do with you. But God's just going to put a burden in your heart to begin to pray like that. And you, you will just be able to see it. You'll be able to sense it. You'll feel that burden to pray and you pray and you re record tangible testimonies. Tangible testimonies. I know of someone who's the burden that she always has in her heart is to pray for women to conceive. And she has testimonies. People who don't even know that she's praying for them. And she has their name in a diary. She has their names on a wardrobe. Just people she, she knew, whether from family, from work, from church. Praying, praying, mentioning their name before God. And saying, Lord, open this womb. Lord, bless this family. And some people here tonight, I see God calling you like that. Putting burdens in your heart in specific areas. In specific areas. Specific areas. Specific areas. Some people here, God, we just put burden in your heart to pray for high net worth individuals, for their souls to be saved. You just feel a burden. You have a list of them. You'll be praying for them that God will save their souls. Many people are in that ministry and they have testimony. 